for Minneapolis, we pray. For Louisville, we pray. For Seattle, we pray. For the black lives we have collectively failed to recognize as valuable and important, we pray, Father, forgive us. Brothers and sisters, forgive us. For the protests that cry out to be seen and heard, we ask for peace. For the peace of justice, the peace of Christ, not a milquetoast peace. For a silent, timid, and feeble peace is no peace at all. It is complicity. And so let us not return back to the status quo. Let us not return to our ways of old, but rather as white men and women, may we speak loud about the present and historical injustices being perpetrated against our black and brown brothers and sisters. May we speak up and out with one accord about the racist vein of hatred and systemic injustice and equality that pulses throughout our country. And may we not only speak up and speak out, but stand up, opposed and against this endemic evil with an unmatched fervor and strength. For our legs are not yet weary. We have not yet begun to enter the fight. We have the strength and power necessary to effect change. But we must stand and we must move to action. Mighty God, let justice roll on like a river Righteousness like a never-failing stream. May we speak, may we stand, may we fight. Amen, amen, and amen. Will you join me for a moment of silence and reflection? There's a heaviness in the air. Protests, uprisings, revolutions springing up all over the country, squashed by authorities and people in power with threats of imprisonment and death. Denied justice, denied change, denied hope. The people in power turning away, assuaging their own fears of losing control, of losing their position, of losing their power by deploying their militaristic might, quelling the fervor of the crowd with force, standing on the street corners adorned in gear as if ready for war, prepared for battle at a moment's notice, antagonizing the people as they walk by, reminding them who is truly in charge, that the system will not change, that their mission is to keep the peace, a silent peace, a peace where the crowds return home and everyone contributes to maintaining the status quo, returning to the tried and true systems and structures of oppression, going back to normal, where they're only spoken of in hushed tones and 
the ever-present pain returns to its place, quietly hiding under the surface. This is the peace of the powerful. For more than 400 years, they have cried out for mercy. For centuries, they have cried out for justice. Deliver us. Rescue us. Free us. And yet, still, the stench of death hangs thick in the air. And they walk with the perpetual weight of oppression on their backs, holding tightly with strength and resolve to a, to a steadfast hope, always looking to the horizon for that moment in the not-too-distant future when everything will change. And there are some who have more hope than others, not, not because they're special, not because they aren't as worn or as tired as the others, but, but because they have found where to place their hope. And in the midst of all of this pain, all of this suffering, all of this injustice, Martha thought she had found the hope of a different hope, the hope of a lifetime. And with a steadfast determination, she saw what her brother had seen. She experienced what her brother had experienced. She, she came to know what her brother had come to know, and she believed that something different was springing to life. But now, if only, if only you would have come sooner. If only, Jesus, you had been here. If only you wouldn't have waited so long. If only you would have intervened. My brother wouldn't have died. Her faith shaken. Her hope frayed. Knowing in her heart of hearts that Jesus was the change they'd been waiting for. Jesus was the one who was going to remove the yoke of oppression. Jesus was the answer to their cries for justice, for mercy, for deliverance, for rescue, for freedom. But when Lazarus laid on his deathbed, when it mattered for him, when they called for him, to come days ago. Why? Why didn't Jesus respond? Where was he when it mattered for her brother, for her sister Mary, for herself? Standing in front of Jesus days late, with the stench of death still hanging thick in the air, the aroma of freedom gone, the beauty of mercy absent. The hope of justice, justice, delayed yet again. Now, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were true believers. They believed deeply in Jesus, that, that he was the long-awaited Messiah, the one whom God had promised to send for deliverance from oppression and injustice. And, and Jesus was God's response to their cries for justice, their cries of rescue, their, their cries of deliverance. And they believed the promise, the fulfillment of their hope had finally arrived. For more than 400 years, they had waited 
as a people. But even now, Jesus, she said, even now I know that you can do something miraculous. I, I've seen it. I've lived it. She, she's almost pleading. But with an uncertainty and with her hope shaken, her faith rattled, tears streaming down her face with a modicum of hope left, Jesus holds her shoulder. He lifts her chin. Martha, it's going to be okay. He will rise again. And her shoulders slump with a sigh of grief. I know, Jesus, I know. Someday in the future. Someday. Patience. Just be patient. And you can just see her despair grow within. It's over. He's gone. Her grief hangs heavy in the air, mixing with the stench of death. And Jesus looks at her. Do you believe in me, Martha? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life, that those who believe in me will live even though they die? Yes. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the long-awaited-for Messiah, the Son of God. And then she turned around and walked home to tell her sister Mary that Jesus had arrived. And Mary ran out to him, grief, tears, and fell at his feet, weeping and wailing, repeating the same refrain as Martha. If only you had been here, Jesus. If only you'd have been here. And as he saw her grief, as he saw Martha's grief, as he saw the grief of the crowd around him, asking the same question, if only he'd have been here, surely he could have done something. They took him to the tomb of his friend and wept. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, almost a cliche in some circles. When someone is asked to recite a verse from the Bible, oh, Jesus wept. It's become cliche tossed aside, not reflected upon. We, we fail to recognize that in this moment, Jesus is grieving the loss of life. That Jesus reflects the value of life. That, that life matters. That the life of his friend matters. That the life of his people matters. That the oppressed deserve to live. That those who cry for justice need to be heard. That those who grieve this pain he joins with them. Jesus wept. And we should too. Grieve with those who grieve, Paul reminds us in his letter to the Roman Christians. Grief. Walter Brueggemann once wrote, Weeping permits newness. Weeping permits newness. There are so many injustices in the world around us right now. So many who are living in fear. So many who are living under the thumb of oppression, under the weight of pain and anger and rage. There are a lot of things in this world that are not right. Weeping with those who weep. Joining in the grief of the way in which things are. And acknowledging that they are not as they should be. This is the first step towards creating change in the world. Contributing to the environment, the heaviness, the thickness of grief. This is the first step towards creating change. Weeping permits newness. 
and lamenting those things is the first step towards creating change. To join in the lament, to feel deeply with those who grieve, is to cease to be numb to their pain, is to stop ignoring their grief, the injustices that are perpetrated against them, and the systems of oppression they daily suffer in. Let us not continue to be numb to their experiences. But Jesus doesn't stay in the grief. Jesus doesn't stay in the lament. He steps forward and with authority, roll away the stone. Let me in there. Jesus demands to stand in the face of death. Jesus demands to confront this moment head on. Roll away the stone. Let me in there. But the response, the response is what you'd expect. Jesus, you don't need to do that. Jesus, there's, there's nothing that you can do now. Jesus, just, just move along. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> Jesus, man, don't go in there. He stinks. It stinks. The stench. The stench of death is all around us and has been all around us. We've simply become nose-blind to it. We've become numb. We've ignored it and told ourselves it's not our fight. We've told ourselves there's nothing that we can do now. And so we stay outside of the tomb with the rest of the crowd. But this, this isn't the way of Jesus to confront the disease of death, to confront the disease of pain and suffering, to confront the disease of racism. We must walk into the tomb no matter how bad it stinks, no matter how strong the stench of death may be. We must walk in and stare death in the eye and say no more. We must stand and proclaim loudly with all the authority of heaven, with boldness and with all of the divine courage that we can lean into. Lazarus, come out. To shout and demand that life bursts forth. To shout and demand that justice and peace lead the way in the name of love and mercy for all the world to see the power and authority of Jesus. Lazarus, come out. And in many ways, I wonder if what Jesus was doing was exercising the demons of death. That what we are being called to do is to exercise those demons, to vanquish the plague that stands upon our community, upon our society, within ourselves. We must stand before the stench of death and proclaim, come out. We must exercise the demons of death before us and with one accord proclaim life wins, that life matters, that black lives matter. Jesus stood before the tomb, filled with the most heart-wrenching grief and pain, and walked into it. He, he stepped where no one else was willing to go to restore life, to restore hope, to show that justice can win the day, to show that life can be wrangled from the clutches of death. George Floyd over and over cried out, I can't breathe. 
and no one stepped in to free him from the clutches of death. George Floyd gasped in agony, I can't breathe, and we stood by and watched. Yes, we. You and I. We are all complicit in this. We have benefited from this system and said nothing. We have perpetrated this system, perpetuated this system, and enjoyed its rewards. We have stayed outside of the tomb and watched. We watch, but Jesus steps forward. We watch, but Jesus took action. We watch, but Jesus brought forth life. Life wins. Life wins but only if we follow Jesus' lead and step forward, only if we follow Jesus' lead and take action, only if we follow Jesus' lead and exercise the demons of death. My white brothers and sisters, it has been a difficult week, a week that we are not accustomed to, an era of pain and a trauma that we have turned our eyes from finding easy escape. And while many of us sit here emotionally drained and exhausted, Here's the thing that we must recognize. Our legs are not weary. No, 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 no. Our legs are not weary, for we have only just begun to enter this fight. Will you grieve the ways in which we have created the world around us? Will you grieve the structures and systems of oppression we have perpetuated and benefited from? Will you stand by our black brothers and sisters in their grief? Will you listen to the cries of your Asian brothers and sisters who too are experiencing the systems and structures of oppression continually pressing in on them? Will you weep with them and permit newness, signs of life to come into being? Will you enter the tomb? Will you enter the tomb and engage in dismantling the systems and structures of death? Will you enter the tomb and call power to account? Will you enter the tomb and shout with authority, Lazarus, come out? Will you enter the tomb and do the work? Will you enter the tomb? Father, we come to you today and ask we ask for courage as a people. As followers of Jesus, we ask for courage to stand in the face of injustice, to stand in the face of death, to peek our nose towards the stench of death that surrounds us, that we too may become familiar with the pain and the suffering of our brothers and sisters. May we enter the tomb and with the power of your spirit and in the name of your son, Jesus, may we call forth life. May we call forth life and a new era to begin. It is in your son's name that we pray all of these things.